This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Repeat, this is a test of the emergency podcast system. Disaster Girls is an unironic excavation of disaster movies with profiles as high as the tallest volcano and as low as the Marianas Trench. In order to ensure your safety and enjoyment, please remain calm and keep your ears locked on your hosts, myself, Jordan Gershiola, and me, Amanda Smith. Hello, Disaster Divas. Welcome back from your time in the void, joining us again. Uh, it is one of those really, really exciting weeks where we have a guest. We Yay! have a guest. And I am so excited to introduce my friend and the extremely talented comic songstress. Uh, God, I mean, what I don't I, I don't want to describe, Eliza, what you do, because I feel like you do so many things I would inevitably leave out. Yeah, I um, uh, it's me. Eliza Skinner. It's Eliza um, Skinner. I, I, <laughs> I uh, call myself a comedian because that umbrella can have anything underneath it, as long as it's funny. And everything yeah. I do is at least comedy related. But yeah, <laughs> writing, um, stand up when that still existed, music, <laughs> um, all, all, the, all the things. That yeah, you're involve. a real, you have a, you're a real talent for comedy via song. Yeah, that was uh, one of my first things was musical improv. Um, cause I, I grew up listening to musicals, but I was, uh, too nerdy to just do regular <laughs> music. Stuff. Um, and then, yeah, I got into improv and was too nerdy to just do regular improv. And so I put them together. <laughs> and you very, it, there's a lot of timeliness to a, a song you wrote last year, uh, called The World is Ending, correct? Yeah, yeah. I wrote this song when I it was just about the feeling that we we were we had impending doom. Yeah. And it was about like, oh, well, the world is ending and we can't do anything to stop it, so we may as well fuck, because that's yeah. all that's left. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Which I feel kind of bad about. Now, like, I haven't really reposted it much, first of all, because I didn't want to be, um, I don't know, uh, exploitative of this time and be like, I have a song for this. <laughs> <laughs> But also because I, because you can't just go fuck a stranger now. Right, like, yeah. no, it's the, that, that no longer is an option. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I was like, well, yeah, I, I was expecting like um, explosions or, uh, <laughs> yeah. or, or general like climate disaster, not yeah, yeah. so much infection from each other. <laughs> yeah. Not so much my neighbor is my enemy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I did in the music video that we made for it. We do have uh, people making out in gas masks. So oh, that. that's perfect. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely a um, a porn theme now. Like it's definitely <laughs> quarantine porn. Yeah, uh, where there's just like a cutout for the genitals, and everything else is a hazmat suit. Yep. Anything you can think of that has to mm -hmm. do with. I mean, you know, that's where bondage came from from World War Two imagery whoa uh, really? what? yeah isn't that interesting so but so like the traditional like leather daddy and like little caps and straps yeah. and yeah. stuff that came from world war ii stuff with nazi imagery and um gas masks because of bomb raids and wow. uh, having having bomb stuff yeah so so this i'm like <laughs> since this started i've been like okay what's the porn gonna be it's gonna be masks it's gonna be hazmat suits a yeah. lot of gloves a lot of gloves yeah yeah a lot yeah. of prophylactic-y looking things yeah it's a lot and and definitely a lot of like we shouldn't 
because of the disease, but we're going to anyway. <laughs> yeah. and I think we're going to see a lot more shaggy dudes because they're not cutting their hair. Right. Yeah. I can definitely well, attest like to that. <laughs> you were. It's going to be like with fanfic where we're going to end up with a lot of like, they're accidentally quarantined together fix. Mm-hmm. God. Yeah, exactly. Like you get Quarantine. accidentally quarantined with a, with a robber. <laughs> <laughs> or, and oh, there's just I mean, one bed. Yeah. The, the, Accidental the, quarantines is incredible. So like, <laughs> I mean, the, the millennial incest porn, uh, <laughs> I don't even want to think about. Oy. It was already a weird genre. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this thing is serving it up on a platter. Well, speaking of speaking of weird genres, mm. I would like you, Eliza, to introduce the movie that we have this week as it was your selection, and it's a real doozy. Well, yeah. I mean, it was my selection, but it was also you putting it on me because you knew that I like this movie. Okay. You okay. were like, you could do this. Oh, so I, can, I, like, I can blame both of you for yes, this. I thought I was yes. just blaming Eliza for this. No. One. Oh, oh, God. I, I give it to good, Jordan. Thanks, Jordan. <laughs> uh, the movie is Mother. And you have to <laughs> it has to have the exclamation, yeah. 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 Mother! <laughs> and yeah, it's, uh, it's a fucking art film that got apparently the largest screen release of any uh, Jennifer Lawrence movie <laughs> released at that time. Supposedly. I remember reading that when it came out, and I was like, that means it's more than Hunger Games. Hunger Games. Oh, my God. <laughs> she was also in three X-Men movies, or at least two yeah. by that point. Like, this is, yeah. that's wild. Yeah. Wow, um, you're really dropping the facts today, Eliza. My uh, jaw is yeah. just on, on the floor. I should have gotten the exact, like, because maybe, the, maybe that's like, well, only things that she's the only person building it or what I don't know. Right, I, I, right. I don't know the fine print on that fact. Okay. But I do remember reading it when it hit that there was the the Paramount's like little press clip on it. Um anyway, yeah, supposedly it is an allegory about uh uh God creation and or um Mother uh, Nature. Uh, Mother Nature, yeah. Told yep, yep. through the story of a couple in a in a farmhouse in the middle of nowhere that the farmhouse starts bleeding and people start arriving and <laughs> all fall apart and a lot of people show up and refuse to listen to poor Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> uh, there's a gem. There's a gem. gem. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's, that's my introduction. Is that good? Darren Aronofsky. No, I think that's great. And, and <laughs> that, I, that makes as much sense as the movie itself. So sure. And I, one of the, the reason I'm, despite my, my hatred for it, I'm very excited to tackle it in the confines of the podcast because it is a novel approach to the disaster movie. But if we go with what Darren himself said and that this ties into, he's like, wrong. <laughs> he's wrong in what he has said about his movie, that this is like, it ties heavily into environmentalism and his like and like you know his good fight war to save like the planet through awareness then this is a movie about the environmental apocalypse as much as it is anything else so this yeah. is a disaster of a movie in addition to being a disaster of a movie well and as far as all of the the feelings that disaster movies generate of the like yes. terror and dread and overwhelming like oh god everything's falling apart oh no they have to run from stuff yeah. like i think it definitely does that oh definitely definitely yeah. Amanda so, is not happy about this movie. <laughs> oh no, I'm. I I everything every fiber of my being hated everything every moment of this movie. I paused it, you guys. I paused it five minutes in for forty five minutes. 
I fully was like, I, nope, I can't, I can't. And I like paused it for 45 minutes and laid in the fetal position looking for food on Postmates. Wow. So, sounds like you were going through a disaster. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so, okay. So in that first five minutes, we see sort of a home being created in front of us. It opens with Jennifer Lawrence. Like the home is sort of materializing. Jennifer Lawrence rolls over in bed to find that her wait, man. Wait. wait, but before that, there's some other girl in flames. Right. Okay. Yeah, yes. We just like crying. We don't know. Yes. We see the charred remains of a woman before the home springs up around Jennifer Lawrence and she wakes up disturbed and frightened, it seems, and lost in her own home when her husband is not in the same bed as her. Yeah. She's like, babe. Yeah. So she has to walk through the home. She has rebuilt with her own hands because it is, I think, supposed to be his childhood home that burned in a fire. And she knew in her bones that for her man, she needed to rebuild with her own two fucking hands an exact replica of the house he grew up in, which is some crazy ass like attachment to your childhood. Mm -hmm. And she wanders through the house like she's never been in it before because, spoilers, she hasn't, in the most... Almost sheer without being sheer, got like gossamer organic cotton nightdress. Mm-hmm. That is, I, I've never seen something so revealing that was not also spandex. Yeah, I do remember the yeah. first time I saw it, seeing that being like, fuck off. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> off this image. You, <laughs> what kind of ride am I in for? <laughs> uh, it did not need to be this. You needed it to be this. Okay. Yeah, you, Darren, needed it to be this, I think. That's what the whole movie is, though. Yes. It was, like, shocking to realize in terms of the way that she's costumed to be like, oh, that's how your mother whore fetish works. Like, that's what your (laughs) kink is. You think that this is what, like, the Madonnas wear. They wear long, gossamer, thin but like substantial, made of because it, it, it did not look. Com- it looked like it was gonna be a little scratchy. Like it did look scratchy. It did not look comfortable. <laughs> it did not. All I could like, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, and you wait, can't. They're, see they're doing every- the cheering outside. It's it's uh, eight o'clock, so I don't know. It's if all good. We're not clap. we're not hearing it too no, much. My neighborhood doesn't clap. We're I. Uh, my neighborhood does. Mine not, does. But in the in in my neighborhood's. Uh, next door somebody people were writing about it and some guy was like oh it's actually not about service workers it's um something my friend started it's about like howling at the moon uh so that's and it just sort of took off and yeah exactly i'm like fuck off you think it's your of course of course la and that kind of dude you you think that it's like oh no my friends did it that's more likely then. Yeah, it's my. I've God. coordinated the neighborhood to howl at the moon at eight o'clock. Absolutely, dude. Because we're that just feeling off. it, you know. We're just yeah. like that's our energy. Like, fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> anyway, dual, sorry. Yeah, no. So the dual fuck offs of that guy who think who is appropriating <laughs> the applause of service workers to Jennifer Lawrence. We can see every outline of her body. We can see her nipples through her dress, and this is mm-hmm. notable, especially because this is an actress who, to this point in her career we had not seen without clothing on screen. Ah, ah, but huh? we had. Okay, I mean, no, wait, yeah, go, are, we getting, go. are we getting into the Bradley Cooper period piece movie where no. she, okay. We're getting into what I think becomes uh, like a, 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 a real element of the movie later on in that she had been, her nudes had been leaked. Oh, the and leaked I, I, Yes, 
like, I think that that factors into some of the imagery in this. Okay. Like, okay. okay. That, I mean, to get further along when she's like, her clothes are like torn off of her yes. and she's descended mm-hmm. upon. I'm like, yeah, that's that, that's that nude league. Um, yeah, she, what, what struck, I mean, I don't know. Like for me, the whole movie is like, why are you dating him? This movie yeah. is telling you why not to date him. That <laughs> is in it. I am watching him say, hey, like, it's like watching a date where somebody's like, yeah, I don't know why bitches are always bitches to me. And you're like, don't go out with him again. Um, don't go out with him. You married him. You live in the middle of nowhere with him. Were you kidnapped? Blink yeah. twice if you are in danger. But I mean, she, the actress, was with, like, after making this movie. After. Started dating. Yeah, after. Is this was so the director and the whole that thing was my scene. that was my what was this movie really about and you just took it it's about that oh sorry <laughs> yeah. I think that That's I think it. that like is like to the reality index of it I think that is what that is what one of my biggest struggles in this movie is because the the character of Javier Bardem's character who is either like a director or God. Uh, which so, a director can't tell the difference between yeah exactly a director exactly. who also thinks he's a writer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Who, yeah. like, he, his character is such a believable dickhead. Like, the way yeah. in which he is an asshole and a narcissist and wants this doting wife whose entire life is him but resents her for making him feel too pressured and wants her affections when he wants them and wants to discard her when he doesn't. That archetype felt so real. Hi, yeah. Darren. Wow. The existence of the Jennifer Lawrence character, Mother... It felt real because, like, you know girls who are in those shitty relationships, but also it didn't. And it was like, girl, get out of the house. Leave. Break up with his ass. Why aren't you telling these people to leave? Why do you keep apologizing? It was such an extreme version of the deferential woman. I was like, I cannot reconcile this. She was telling them to leave. She was, like, screaming at them sometimes. They just weren't listening to her. Which I think is an important... I I think that's an important distinction. No, no, no. No, let me, let me. I'm letting you, I'm letting you. Don't box lux me. I'm not. Um, she, uh, while while I understand what you're saying about like the characterization and the like so doting is obviously some kind of fantasy. I did yeah. buy her reactions, and I did feel like she was trying to, as the movie, as the story, quote unquote, moves <laughs> along, and she, she, it's clear that she is not part of a partnership. She is alone in this yes. situation. Yes. She's trying to affect the changes she can and trying to get people to listen to her. It almost, to me, had that feeling of like when you're in a dream and you can't run and you're like trying to run and your legs sure. won't go or you're like trying to yell and people won't hear you and that kind of terror feeling, which uh-huh. in a relationship with a famous dude or a notable dude, or like, yeah, you get a lot of that. You do get like... I have, um, like, my sister is 10 years older than me, and she's a Broadway actress. Mm-hmm. Um, she's great. But it kind of means that my whole life I've had important relationships in my life with people who are some level of fame, which means people think they know them, right. and they don't. And they've got this weird, loaded relationship with them where, like, they... It, it, it and depending on where like they think they know them really well and sometimes depending on where that person's at mm-hmm. they their voices are louder to them mm-hmm. than the people in their actual life so that stuff all i i thought was really interesting His- no I, and i I'm, I'm totally with you on that and as it and, and certainly as it relates to javier's character the idea that 
people coming into his life who would give him external validation would immediately mean more to him than this woman in his life every day who's doing the seen and unseen things to make his life complete and beautiful and build his paradise for him. It was like, oh yeah, I 100% believe that a man with like fucking tuberculosis could show up in this house without announcement and be like, I love your book. And he'd be like, my wife who? Stay forever. You don't ever need to leave. That I bought 100%. Yeah, but I mean, as I said, like when she's screaming at people, I'm just like, get out of my house. Don't sit on that thing. And they just kind of look at her and laugh. It's, that's terrifying. Yes, <laughs> it like is. Dread inducing. And it's <laughs> not that she's like, okay, well, if he wants it like this, that's okay. But for a she's long like, time, she's like, why are no one hearing me? For like half the, and that it went on for too long for me, her deferentialness to the degree that it was Oh, I'm sorry. It was like Jennifer Lo- Jennifer Lawrence pushing her voice up an octave to be like sad, ingratiating for yeah. too long. Well, the whole movie, the whole movie, she spends basically like the, the direction was okay. Can you make your eyes look more like a, a confused calf, like a veal <laughs> in a box? But consider- and can your entire personality be veal in a box? But that is, yeah, like going off of the dream thing. Yeah, it did. Like there were, there's a lot of it. Where I was like, oh, this is like in those dreams where like I'm trying to hit the brakes on my car and the brakes mm-hmm. don't work, and like I'm punching, but I'm punching through molasses. Fine. But Jennifer Lopez, Jennifer Lopez, Jennifer Lawrence <laughs> with this movie, I would have been Lopez so much more on board with Jennifer that. Jennifer Lopez's version of this movie is enough, and she's had enough. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Jennifer Lawrence, this whole thing, I'm like, oh, it works a lot better if you're like, okay, so Javier Bardem bought her off of a cult. <laughs> yeah. She is his child bride that he bought from a cult. And that's why she can't leave the house because she doesn't know how to drive. She's never <laughs> left the cult farm well, that she was on. I, I actually, yeah, I think I think to a degree, like, consider the fact that she is born at the beginning of this movie. Yes. Right, right. but we don't she's, know that until a, we, right. Well, she's like we a don't know brand that the new person, yes. and I think freshly hatched. Yeah, and given that, like, she's put into a situation which is super unfair. I mean, it's like every relationship with some twenty-two-year-old girl and some fifty-three-year-old fucking director, <laughs> and they're like, "Okay, I'm gonna really try to handle this situation," and then it's like, "You don't know the fucking rules. This is yeah. so." Like, there's so many other things going on here that don't make any sense to you. And, like, that stuff also, I related to it. Not in a, like, you know, it's just, like, a a lack of experience and a a youth thing. Do we think, do we think that Darren Aronofsky is aware in the way that he needs to be? No. that no. Because I think no. No. Never. No. No, I don't think so. I don't think so either. I think he started off trying to make this movie about some of this and then was like, uh, you know what? Let's make it more universal. It's about environment. This is all just like my made up story in my head. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be about the environment. Um, But then couldn't help telling on himself in a way that he's not even aware that he is doing. Like, I think I, I I, I 100% agree with that. I, I would guess that his idea is that this is like partly a story about like a creator who is torn between this, um, this home, like his struggle is like, do I go with this crowd and this fame or do I go with this home that is being built for me and nurturing and nice and not like noticing that that's a fucked up weird fantasy that that was a hundred percent what I was thinking watching this movie. Like that's really what it feels like. Yeah. Yeah. Like she, she should have a whole personality. And I, I think like, I guess if I was going to make a change to it, I would have, that aspect of her evolve more than her being just like, you know, grist for the mill. But yeah. I think that also says something about the way that 
women are treated in this process. Yeah. Like auteurs and making movies and, you know, especially like, I think there's less of a place for muses now than there once was, (laughs) but like, I think if this movie was called Muse, it would, a lot more of us would be like, oh, I, I get it. Whether or not we like it. No, I, and I, I actually like that very, the idea of that very subtle change. And it feels like something that, that, that Aronofsky is not capable of even considering, which is, I I think why this movie makes me so mad because it does play within its own rules. And I will say, I am happy this movie got made because the fact that Paramount put a check behind this fucking movie and they're like, we're going to put it out on 4,000 screens. I would love for studios to take a flyer like that all the time. And that is the power of putting Jennifer Lawrence in a movie like this. I think at that time in her career, when it was like, you know what? We can sell Jennifer Lawrence. And Darren Aronofsky was like, I can indeed sell Jennifer Lawrence. (laughs) And buy her at the same time. (laughs) Yeah. And I I mean, I'm excited about anything that gets Michelle Pfeiffer back in a a movie. Being like, just a, such a fun, weird, manipulative bitch witch. Like, yeah. Well, Michelle Pfeiffer's like her recent career turn of just being like, I'm going to play a beautiful witch, which she did in this. <laughs> and she did in that movie that had Claire Danes as a, a shooting star that falls to Stardust. earth. What? Yeah, Stardust. Oh. She plays. I don't know this one. Oh, oh yeah. It has, it has Charlie Cox. It has yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer. It's from Matthew Vaughn. It's from the guy who did um, uh, Kingsman, actually. He directed yeah. this before he did Kingsman. And it's this wonderful, fantastical tale. It's in, like a fairy like, tale about this witch who needs to find this falling star so that she can maintain her youth. And the fallen star is Claire Danes. Yes. And Claire Danes uh-huh. meets Matthew Cox, and he's like a swashbuckler and adorable. And they fall in love, and he is protected. But Michelle Pfeiffer is playing like the best sex pot sort of like <laughs> evil Disney villain enchantress. It's, she's fantastic in it, and her cheekbones are flawless. And I love it's the same so thing here. But Which, like, I will say, points of unbelievability for me. Believable in the sense that, yes, if you have Darren Aronofsky making this movie, I believe it. But within the world, I don't believe it. I don't believe that it requires anything extra to get her husband to jump her. When she's like, you have to keep things interesting. It's like, no, not when you're (laughs) Michelle Pfeiffer. Not when you're Michelle Pfeiffer. Listen, Ed Harris, like, thank you, lucky fucking stars, if Michelle Pfeiffer is your lady. Man, I mean, I would love for that to be true, but uh, I don't know. I'm not married. That's... Like, I also I just, just like if a man cheated on Halle Berry, then yes, yeah. an old man right. would think that Michelle Pfeiffer needs to keep it spicy for him when she is like one of the great beauties in like time. So, right. but coming hearing that line coming from Michelle Pfeiffer, <laughs> like, no, not in this world. But then coming when you're like it's coming out of Michelle Pfeiffer's mouth, but they're Darren Aronofsky's words. I'm like ah yes that. Yes, Darren Aronofsky does think that if old women are going to have sex, it's going to be gross slutty sex because that's the only way that old women can have sex, which is why she's in thigh highs and black. And Jennifer Lawrence is young and nubile and still has all her eggs, so she's in white. (laughs) I get get what you're saying, but for for me, it played as this is part of the the torture that is done to women in in Hollywood. Like, can you fucking believe that this woman has to feel that way? And you know that she does. You know that that's like that. Though I mean, this is a, an industry where women have to play the mothers of actors who are older than them. Like, right? And where yeah, and the, the, Jennifer yeah. Lawrence has almost, I think, maybe never been in a screen relationship with somebody who's less than like fifteen yeah. years older than her. I yeah. know. I think the last time was her and and it was in Hunger Games. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. 
like of after Hunger Games, they're like, oh, okay, you're not playing a mutant anymore. You're playing a human woman. It's time for you to date geriatric men. <laughs> well, and also play geriatric women because actual yeah. actresses, the age of these characters, like that mop movie and yeah. um, Joy. <laughs> Silver Linings Playbook. Yeah, exactly. No, that's the like, mop movie. Yeah. Yeah. In Silver Linings Playbook, they're like, no, no, no. You're going to play. We're not going to put a gross old, old widow. Yeah. <laughs> we have to watch a 40 year old woman jog. Ew. Gross. Look, this is, this is what 40 that? year olds look like as far as we're concerned. <laughs> they're either this or invisible. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and then when they're 42, they're crones. Crones. So, Crones. A quick, yeah. quick switch. I, I, I think I, I do the thing that this movie does do that I is the only concession I will make for Darren Aronofsky is it lets Michelle it lets the power of Michelle Pfeiffer just existing really travel like when she walks that moment where she just like goes straight faced and starts walking up to Jennifer Lawrence and Jennifer Lawrence kind of backs away yeah. in fear. That feels so true in my bones. And I would react the exact same way if Michelle Pfeiffer came powerfully walking toward me. I would like rescind into the background and be like, oh God, what? Yeah. Oh no. The whole time with her, you're like, what? Like, you just instantly do not trust her. And they're no. like, what? What is she doing? I don't know why I don't trust her. She just gave her lemonade. That's a nice thing. I'm <laughs> murder her. Like, and I, uh, I, I it's, did. It's I think a great tension. I think my dialogue highlight in this movie is when, like, there, you know, Jennifer expresses like a great act of like protective devotion for for Javier's character, and Michelle Pfeiffer looks at her for the second time and says, "You really love him, don't you?" And then says, "God help you." And I was like, <laughs> "Okay, I'm into that. I'm super into that. <laughs> I'm super into the affirmation that that is a terrible and dangerous thing for this specific woman to love this specific man and that this woman who has seen far more than her can be like girl I know where this leads and it's nowhere good it was like okay at least somebody is acknowledging the rolling travesty that is this relationship between Javier and Jennifer yeah and I mean it feels like it reminds me of like all the weird older aunts and <laughs> teachers and shit who would say things like you know, I'll marry a man who loves who loves you a little more than you love him. Or <laughs> it's easier to like it's just as hard to marry a poor man as it is to marry a rich man. So marry a rich man. Yeah. Like yeah. That kind of that kind of like you're gonna be fucked. So you may as well <laughs> be financially safe while you're getting yeah. fucked. <laughs> you may uh, as well be secure. Yeah. While you are utterly emotionally insecure. Yeah, like I feel like a lot of the thing, a lot of these things are, are are upsetting things, but like I feel like things that I have experienced and seen before, and I'm like, yeah, someone's pointing yeah. that shit out, and you know, I mean, well, that's as I what's said, weird I'm not sure that he knows about it. All the that's time. Yeah, Aronofsky, I think, stumbled into telling a very true story, but it wasn't the story <laughs> he meant to tell, and I think that's the like that's what is that's what why like watching this was like. Fuck you, because the whole time, like, <laughs> this is the story that I know what story you're trying to tell here, and you're not telling it. But also, there's the end, like, but I, I identify with so much of parts of this movie. Right, like, and that's when Ramsey like, had made this movie, I think I'd really fucking love it. Yeah. When I saw yeah. that, I saw this in the movie theater, like, right when it first came out, and hey, opening up. Yeah, at, at the Arclight in the Dome. And <laughs> I remember, like, laughing out loud at it. I was like, oh, yeah. like, do, 
do you know what you are saying? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you, yeah, yeah. This is wild that you made this movie. I love it. <laughs> you are, it's like it's like you were a long scream of like, don't date director. <laughs> it's a bad idea. I am screaming it at my leading woman. <laughs> like, yeah, um, and you're screaming it as the reality has come to be. Yeah, and you know yeah. that that actress is act is currently in her like five months of dating this director where it's like, wow, you really feel it really is like the undergrad and fell in love with the film film school grad student who you thought was really cool and interesting. And all the girls who know him who are his age are like, oh, well, she'll yeah, figure it out no. soon enough. Well, yeah. And all the stuff like, oh, well, there's the 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 other girl before. I mean, I wonder how Rachel Weiss was feeling about that. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, thank God my house burned down. Uh, <laughs> and his whole relationship with his writing when when she's oh. like, I'm pregnant, and he's like, I've got a I've got a thing. And it yeah. and her reading it makes the house like she sees the house coming back to life and everything and is just like, uh, you know, it is so beautiful. And then the betrayal of like, you let other people read this. Oh you didn't just let me read it. And like I feel like that's I love the idea that there's some dude who's like, yeah, see, it's hard in both directions. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> as soon as, when, as, when, he, when he jumped out, when she, when she said I'm pregnant and he's like, I got to write something. And I was like, oh, that's like when you come up with a really good joke and then your boyfriend tries to top it. Like, that's 100%. I'm like, oh, okay. That's, she created a thing and he just was like, I can't have that. I can't have her be the only yeah. person who's creating it. I can't do the thing she's doing, so I'm going to do better. Yes. Yeah, I was just—I was like, "Oh my god!" But I'm like, god. "Yes, this movie." She will, she'll never. She's not allowed to have a win. That's just like what it comes down to. Yeah, he, he let all those people into that house because she rebuilt it. That was the thing. He would probably yeah, like ultimately resented her for building. Mm -hmm. He needed to make it his place. That was all about him, so that it wasn't people being yeah. like, oh, "What a beautiful house!" Like the first few people that come in are like, "Wow, it's so beautiful. You've done a good job. This is great." Mm -hmm. And then like people come in and literally start destroying the work that she's done yeah. or like painting. So taking her work away from her, like you don't even need to do mm -hmm. this. We're doing mm -hmm. it all now. We yeah. provide everything. And like, yeah. And, and as I said, the, the, for me, that, that scene where they're like ripping her clothes off, I'm just like, wow, wait a minute. Does he know Do, does he kind of know for a second what the, what people in the industry do to women and want and this whole like we get to take your flesh we get to take whatever we want from you and i eliza remember though women. <laughs> he wasn't he was jennifer lawrence isn't playing a woman she's playing an object remember that she's playing the earth she's not a human woman that's the thing that's so funny but in that moment she's that, like, like looking at the camera and she's like yeah watch me watch this happening to me. I'm watching you watch this happen to me. She's, which yeah. I, I thought was pretty cool. I, I, I felt like the house was earth and she's, she's a fucking nature. object. You yeah, that, that, that's the thing. It's like, yeah, mm -hmm. is, is she the earth or is the house the earth? Yeah, I feel like house which, was earth because nature, like that she's like the person who sort of created this house and that it's like supposed to be something about like it's exactly the way that like God had it in his, you know, childhood or in his like before he was God, like type, like all this weird like sort of Christian... Uh, yeah, but then she touches the house, and the house like comes to life when she touches it. Yeah, because so. she's nature. The, 
it, the religion stuff just does not hold up. Because also, no, like, okay, so who's the baby? The baby can't be people. <laughs> the baby is Jesus. Ed, Ed Harris came in, and <laughs> oh, okay, the baby is Jesus. Yeah. So, so the Jesus baby was, is was Jesus. born to okay, nature. So the baby is Jesus when they. When he so who's Mary? Spray- <laughs> She's also Mary. No, because you can only have one woman. This, I, I really oh, when, feel like he, all of the, the, all the religion stuff was him, she, was him oh, being like, people, is- I feel like it was him being like, okay, people aren't, what I'm talking about is just way too complex for people to understand. Oh, yeah. oh for sure. But for sure. they can understand Bible stuff and nature. Yeah. But I, I, I'll tell the story through the reality that I know, which is this, the, this like, director creator bullshit but he, is, i mean he did fully layer in like there is the flood the biblical floods and they're really like you've got cain and abel you got adam and he it's real lack of nuance shit but he definitely but there's like, so much less of that than there is of this other metaphor that we oh yeah been talking was, about i, I, I think oh, that yeah. it's I, I have to read i have to read this incredible awful quote that he gave to vulture when this movie was coming out where like our writer asked specifically you know, he says, it's funny, my coworker walked out thinking primarily in terms of biblical metaphors. How often do you read the Bible? Because, <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> because there's still so much Bible stuff in here, and that's true throughout so much of your work. And Aronofsky responds, I mean, I wouldn't say I read the Bible. See, there we go. I I reference the Bible, so I'll always have the Bible nearby to pull it off the shelf and find what I'm looking for. But no, I don't read it. I think the last time I read the Bible for entertainment was when I read Robert Crumb's Genesis. And I... (laughs) I (laughs) That's the the douchiest male director quote I've ever heard in my life. But I think that even proves that, like, he's trying to do some biblical thing but doesn't actually know the metaphor he's trying to make. (laughs) And he's accidentally making a movie about being a director and being a terrible person. (laughs) He is making a movie about being a director. Yes, Yes, absolutely. This is a movie about being a fucking director. Yes. You know how people say that, um, like, like all these New York movies are like, well, you know, the the fourth character is New York City. (laughs) I feel like (laughs) the fourth character is just Darren Aronofsky. That's, oh yeah, that is why. That is why I like. That is why I can't even give whatever accomplishments you can you you can grant to this movie because I can't give him the credit for actually having done it. So like when that when the the scene happens when she's being ripped apart on the ground and beat to shit and called a cunt and her clothes are coming off and you're seeing her boobs come into the screen, I didn't feel like I am saying that what you are expressing as that being a metaphor for like the stripping of her autonomy and her own like bodily autonomy by like having her nudes go out into the world and being a part of like the Hollywood meat market machine. I hear that, but I cannot give him credit for actually fucking knowing that. So to me, that scene is unearned because he doesn't understand what's actually happening there. And I'm like, so you put her in this position because you wanted to push the art and you wanted to get a rise out of people, but I don't actually think you understand the real fucking metaphor that would have worked here. And so I just look at this and be like, you're trash. You made a trash choice. I agree, but I still think the metaphor is there. Like, first of all, like any any movie is made by so many people. It's not just the director. Like, like he's not Beck. You know, (laughs) Uh, it's got a lot of credits on it. And uh, Cole Scherzinger. Yeah, Yeah. lead and backup vocals by. Yeah, he. um, So it's a lot of people, and I'm sure he gave. you know, who knows what kind of direction he gave to her, but this is what came out and was like, 
how how it connected with at least me as a viewer. Sure. And sure. I think that, you know, the, she definitely like as I, I think that she did an impressive job in a really like fucked up situation in this. Agreed. To have to have, mm-hmm. have to play this character and still able to like have her be somewhat human. Yes. Even in this bizarre ethereal non-humanness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I think she did a really great job. And um, so yeah, I'm not I'm not crediting it. I, I'm not like, wow, this movie is what made me know Darren Arnowski <laughs> is really gifted. But I am like like the yes this movie yeah it's (laughs) what a ride uh yeah it's kind of a similar thing to like george lucas with the original star wars where like the more you watch george lucas the more you realize a lot of the best things of his filmmaking are accidental but they still happened and that sounds (laughs) like it's sort of like your perspective on this is like yeah sure he didn't know what he was making but he still made something that like might have yeah for you that and also it being processed through a his very very specific personality that Mm. like it like have have you ever had somebody tell you say something to you that they think is casual and you're like what the fuck did you just say (laughs) (laughs) like it feels like that like he's like you know how it's like this and you're like whoa that's not what it's like what are you talking about you think that you oh boy that uh that's real weird that sounds like men on the internet yeah pretty well, much I, I think like it's what this what this movie if you you know him creating a if you say this like a tabula rasa like everybody gets to put their own meaning into it what this movie actually i think more most effectively over everything is actually really wonderfully representative stand culture. <laughs> like, yeah, if you want to yeah. look at, like, if you want to look at the the cascading hordes of mother who show up to worship one man and then end up bringing all of their friends and then they turn it into cult worship and then the thing that they worship becomes mo- more important as an element of their self identification than it is as an actual just objective piece of culture yeah and, and all of the like fucking you think you know him you don't yeah. know him i read his poem i know him <laughs> yeah. fuck you person who lives with him and had his baby <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think i think more than anything and i think he would i don't think he would put this read on it i think this is actually the best visible illustration of the irrational brigading nightmare that is like internet fandom yeah. And what can happen when some when that spark kicks up, the match is lit, and then all of a sudden you have everybody piling on after like one celebrity that they hate because they were a woman in a Star Wars movie and they shouldn't have been. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. then ripping apart your fucking house, they're insulting you, they're tearing off your clothes, and they just want this thing that you were in that they say you are responsible for perverting. Yeah, exactly. That mm-hmm. like you create you like you know that you helped create this or at least allowed for the world in which it is created yeah and then you are blamed for ruining it at the same time which makes no sense (laughs) um like being a woman on writing for a season of rick and morty yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) it's dan Harmon's fans i i feel like like it's weird how this movie like it exists I don't know it's weird how like it's two hours long but it felt like when I first saw it that I was in the theater for five hours yes but then watching it again for this I was like 
wow, we are already at the part where like the like the fam the 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 morning people have arrived because surprise everybody who's following along at home once Ed Harris and Michelle Pfeiffer get the indefinite invitation from Javier Bardem without <laughs> consulting his wife to stay in his home because they love his oh, fucking poetry and also that he like they smash his, his um, special magic his gem. Ma- his yeah, special his crystal. His which, like, by the way, crystal. just want to say very LA. You, <laughs> don't want anyone to touch your your fancy rock. If you don't want anyone to touch your fancy crystal, don't create a special fucking podium for your fancy crystal. Like put it away somewhere. <laughs> We're like, of course, lock, people are gonna go touching the fancy crystal. Lock the door. Lock, yeah. lock, lock the door. Lock no, the door. no, no. He has to board it up because uh. he is the maximum drama queen. <laughs> he but yeah. is. I I don't. I, there are like two men. Oh, on guys, me. do you think by the way that the crystal was the apple and that was Adam and Eve? I can't figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> no, see, it wasn't. It was. It was inspiration because, and, and he takes it from every fucking woman and drains <laughs> their power <laughs> and lets everybody destroy that woman, and then is like, "Whoa, who knows what even happened? Time to do another one." <laughs> like, wow, that got out of control. I wouldn't have imagined. That is yeah. fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Because I do think there is something to to the idea that in like you you need to have support to be a creator, like yeah. you whether yeah. it's your partner or like like a, a working partner or whatever. There there is that symbiotic thing of like there's someone creating and there's someone like bringing them food and telling them to keep going, yeah, and you know keeping the lights on, and hopefully you just hope there is respect in both directions. And this is like that the the nightmare version which i do think he may know that amount okay that he, you know that like oh i should i i shouldn't just drain people <laughs> this is an yeah. endless thing like i mean that's the thing where like i feel like in a way it's a it's a movie it's like if he cast his new girlfriend in a movie about killing his last girlfriend yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god he uh, would do it. He did. Yeah. yeah. That's the thing. He he did it. Um, yeah. So <laughs> oh, but I, but I, I do think that's interesting that like, so they smash the thing that is so valuable to him. Yes. And, and here is Michelle Pfeiffer and he in hates, like being drunk children, basically yeah, go to his office them. to marvel at the crystal and they break it. Right. And he hates them for it. He boards up his office, but he doesn't kick them out. No, he's still has to like be in the game and like, well, we yeah. still have to go to the parties. Yeah. <laughs> well, come on, I can't like not be friends with her viewers. Come yeah. on. <laughs> like it's the it's this weird like psychosis of not just like just fix the problem. Like like you can just not engage with any of this stuff. You could just walk away. Uh-huh. And he's mm-hmm. clearly just psychotic through the whole thing. <laughs> and I will say just as a as an overview from where we've gone in this movie, it's funny because like we like so little has actually happened, but it's, a lot has happened so quickly. Basically, they like Javier and Jennifer. We meet them. She is building a beautiful life for them. Then Ed Harris and Michelle Pfeiffer show up, and they're super fans. And he's dying. Then their kids come to the house. One kills the other. It's like a Cain and Abel battle. Then suddenly the funerals Don, at Don, Donald Gleason and yeah, Donald Gleason. Gleason. I do not know who the other person. Oh, was. it's his actual brother. It's That's Donald's brother. 
Yeah. It is Donald's brother, and I should know his name, but I really don't. I wish I did. Uh, yeah, Jason, I'm really upset that you don't know his, your brother's other brother's name. I know. <laughs> I I keep getting hired like, to be Donald Gleason's uh, stunt Jason. double, but uh, uh, I just awkward have not gotten to know his brother. <laughs> the son. Hey, Donald and uh, buddy. I Ow. keep wanting to say Brendan, but that's the dad. I just can't. Yeah. The, the the sons the sons Gleason show up, get in a fight. Donal kills his other his brother. There's a funeral at their house, and then he is moved at the end of the night after Jennifer Lawrence has to kick out all the people partying because they're being bastards. It's Brian, she, like, by the way. Brian. Yep, Brian, Brian. Gleason. He Brian plays the character Donald. of younger Brian brother. And then uh, she finally confronts him on being an asshole. They he basically starts attacking her, which turns into consent and sex, and then she gets pregnant, and then it's gestation. He is moved to create his masterwork, which for some reason is one square piece of paper that he has spent <laughs> nine like ripped eight. Edith, yeah, it was, it was parchment. He had square a, piece of fucking parchment. Are you surprised that this dude writes on parchment? No. I was shocked that we didn't have to see like an extended montage of him typing away with an old-fashioned typewriter. I was shocked. Not uh, it wouldn't be an art film. It would be like... Like I, I kind of like all this shit with like, you know, the the bleeding floors and stuff. So you can be like, okay, so you know, this is not the way the world actually works. <laughs> right. Yeah, I was like, so the, like, when she fingers the wood hole. Yeah, the <laughs> menstruating finger vagina. <laughs> when she, I was so upset that whole time. So all I could think was like, God, there's a, somewhere there was a blooper cut scene of J of Jennifer Lawrence. Fingering that wood hole and giggling, but she couldn't do it around Darren because Darren would not take it seriously. So she, I felt the whole time I was like, "This is this right here, this little moment in the in the cutscene I'm imagining is the is the is their entire relationship in a nutshell is is J Law trying so hard not to finger the vagina, but she really wants to, and she thinks it's funny, and she's and laughing she like can't. a stoner, and he's not letting her have any fun. No, mm-hmm. no joy, nothing. Yeah, and so, so baby, then well, there was joy, like, but that was a different director. Oh boy! <laughs> right. Well, no okay. Mops. So then, in our in our timeline, then uh, now that mop. now that <laughs> poem now that poem has been created, uh, book release party happens instantaneously. And guess what? Like the they didn't people, learn from the first party. They didn't need this to. They didn't learn from the first fucking wake. Fool yeah. me twice, shame on you, mother. And so then the revelers show up to celebrate his poem and he becomes their Jesus. And then it turns into a fucking refugee camp and the end of the world and a terrorist attack. And we enter the full nightmare of the movie, which is like the last 45 minutes of it. Which is where it had to always go. Like that's the, the beginning shot is telling you like, yeah, it has to go. Here. Yeah, this is yeah. a tragedy. You know, it's going to end in, in flames. And yeah. bless it for including... Kristen Wiig summarily <laughs> executing hostages it. in the in the solarium. Uh, it was so funny to me. <laughs> I, oh I was choosing to believe that was a character choice she made, and it was not scripted. And, it, and I, I'd like to believe that she was like, I think my character would do this, and then they just ran with it. It's just such a great like use of Kristen Wiig. No, and the, the like she like Jennifer Lawrence enters into the chaos where she sees Kristen Wiig executing people. Kristen Wiig slowly turns around and walks up to her and goes, "The inspiration? Where have you been hiding?" Finisher. <laughs> yeah, Finisher. Exactly. And then says, "Get me six more." 
for executing before a bomb explodes on the other side of the wall she's standing next to, kills her, and then the pandemonium gets even crazier, which at this point, I'm pretty sure Jennifer Lawrence's character starts going into labor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I when she when she has that little when she had that turn and she says finish her I really really want is like I want her to be a Fast and the Furious villain so bad. <laughs> well, she's gonna be a Wonder Woman villain. I know, so. but I want her to be like I want her to be like Charlize Theron's um like sister from in Fast and the Furious in like Fast and the Furious fifteen or something that she shows up and she's actually Cipher's sister, and then I, she also plays an evil person. I feel like she wouldn't maintain it, and I. I I think that I, I'd like to see her be like the villain version of Simon Pegg in the um, Mission Impossible movies. Mm. Oh, okay. okay, okay, like the villain, competent, but like, what the fuck are we I doing? Mean, could Side still thing. be could still be Char- Charlie's Theron's sibling. They've already made it sort of yeah. their hallmark to pop up a surprise sibling of an existing character, which is fun. I love so that. many siblings. It's this a soap is a movie about now. family. It's yeah. not family. <laughs> <laughs> so. You know, our big finish for this movie is Jennifer Lawrence's character has the baby. Like, the throngs want to destroy her. She has the baby. She has to have it in, like, his office upstairs. And she's holding it. And she's like, are they gone? And he's like, no, they're just waiting. And she's like, waiting for what? And he's like, I mean, they just want to see it. Like, they just want to see the baby. And she's like, absolutely fucking not. And he is further, he further undermines his his wife, his everything, by being like, no, I'm going to choose them and I want to go show them the baby. So give me your fucking newborn and let me take it out to the doting masses so they can worship me and my offspring. Yeah, they get everything of mine now. They get every aspect of my life. I love how they love me. They get it all. Fuck you, lady. And that felt true. That (laughs) felt true. And I will give it that. I was like, yeah, I certainly believe every beat of how big of a piece of shit this guy is. Yeah, yeah. And I love. And, that I mean, going tried... back to the going back no, to the director thing, like this is abs- That is a director taking an actor's performance and being like, "Now I'm going to go into editing." Yeah, and then they <laughs> and then and then they edit the baby. Yeah. <laughs> and then they edit the baby. And and really, it's more about it being his baby at that point yeah. than it is hers. Yeah, and, and that's why they want to see it. They want to see his baby. Right, and of course, the baby dies. It's, In- yeah. The like I okay so the baby's pieces yeah the baby's gonna die you know it's going there what I didn't think needed to happen was the baby just pissing in the air (laughs) oh peeing in the air was so good like it's being handed it's being crowd surfed along the masses before its neck just snaps in half because no one's supporting the head and as it's happening the poor baby is just urinating from his baby penis and it's just peeing on itself and you're like. Did that need to fucking happen before its neck broke? I mean, the the visceral terror between, like, sacrificing basic human existence for praise. Like, I watch a lot of horror shit, and I did not need to see the baby peeing on itself before its neck was broken and it was ripped to pieces. Yeah, they had to make a baby robot that did that, and I think that's hilarious. They had a props master who was in charge of making sure the baby, and, like, Darren had to do several takes where he's like, um, I need the baby to pee a little bit more to the right. Can we get get an arc more? Yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah. was that, did this come out in 2018? 2017. 2017, I think. Okay. Because I was like, there, there were, there were, because 2018 was Roma, right? 20, uh, 20, yeah, 2018 yeah. was Roma. Yeah, because it was not yeah. nominated for, yeah. 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 Um, Because, yeah, th- I feel like there was a, there was a, that Roma, 
this and um, a quiet place. We're all like, we're going to make you watch a baby do be in an upsetting situation. Yeah. Oh, and the movie mom and dad, the movie mom and dad as well, that came out shortly after uh, mother features a uh, traumatic baby moment as well. There was a real run of how much can we debase babies? Yeah. Well, and also this um, fundamental (laughs) shock value thing of it, I think. Yeah. Where it's like, this is something that is instinctually bred into you to be very fundamentally upsetting. Yes. Yes. I think, uh, I think that was all just a conspiracy that was propagated by big adult, you know, they were trying to like sort of spread the <laughs> anti-baby propaganda. Yeah. The only starring role we saw for a baby was boss baby. I think you're onto something, Jason. Cause like the only time the baby was clearly like a human baby who had nefarious plans for cute things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's so, still yeah, like, in. of course they get a freaking adult to voice the boss baby. It's like, come yeah. on, even <laughs> when they give a baby a role baby. that's uh, somewhat respectable, it's like, it's still an adult. Yeah, it was just like a, a year and a half of everybody putting baby in a corner. <laughs> <laughs> so after after baby is ripped apart, what, is it an electrical fire? How does the fire start in the house? Uh, I don't. It was chaos at that point. <laughs> it was chaos at that point, but a fire consumes the house. And no, she 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 goes down with a lighter. Oh, right, she goes down to the basement to, to, to the to, cave that she never explored. Yeah. Which, like, if you know, I was living in a in a house that I was like rebuilding, I definitely would want to find out more about the Rum Runner tunnels underneath my house. But we never revisit those. And, and she, she takes also- the lighter that's been buried, and she goes down and she sets the whole thing on fire and blows up the house. And there's, I'm yeah. sorry, there's not a there's not a scenario in which this woman who has painstakingly crafted this home leaves her linens in a tre- in a treasure chest in her musty ass basement that has a whole fucking closet to itself. There, she's not going down to the storm cellar to get her linens as she does at one point in this movie, which prompts her to find the rum running tunnels initially. But yes, okay, great, that's right. She detonates. Well, the that's house. because that's because Darren Aronofsky again does not know how human women act, which is why also <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence's underwear is the size of a small tent. And also, <laughs> when we see her in her gossamer dress, I'm sorry, there are not granny panties under that No, there no, are just but then Michelle Pfeiffer buggers. pulls out her... She's oh, not yeah, wearing I'm underwear. Like, oh, huh? And then Michelle Pfeiffer pulls out her giant Bridget Jones underwear. Yeah, which she absolutely was never wearing at any point in this movie, and it was pretty fucking obvious. But, like, what if also she's not a woman, but she's domesticity? <laughs> oh. So, like, domesticity is, like, servicing the creativity, but the creativity ultimately destroys the domesticity, even though you know that that would make you more comfortable. <laughs> what if? Yeah, I'm just like, you know, tossing some things around, Mm, rolling some things around in my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) And so in our, the the, the audacity of this movie's big finish is that the house is burned to a crisp along with Jennifer Lawrence. And when it all comes down to embers, we see Javier Bardem carrying the third degree burn covered near corpse of Jennifer Lawrence, who's wheezing and gasping for air. Three is worse than one, right? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes. Third all degrees right. are the, the boils and the sloughing skin and the okay. charred black. Yeah. Okay. Then and, I can agree with that. Yes. Yeah. And that is, that is when we, I mean, she asks him, Jennifer asks him, cause she doesn't know. She goes, who are you? And she croaks out and he says, I am I, you were home. Okay. See? She's domesticity. He's and got he is like, God. 
we're full, we're full True Detective season two on this one. <laughs> when he said, I am I, again, that was another moment where I like, I paused the TV and I was like, nope, I'm doing something else. And I paused it for 15 minutes. And then it, I was so, so fucking angry at the fact that like, he just fully like, I was like, oh, you're, it, it was like saying the name of the movie in the movie, except instead <laughs> it was saying the name of God in the movie where he's playing God. I'm just like, no, no, fuck you, Darren Aronofsky. It's saying ego, man. He <laughs> is his his ego she is i am identifies himself as i that's the whole line when they're like who are you and god is like god in the bible is like i am i I I. fuck you darren aronofsky you do watch keeping up with the kardashians and you (laughs) have read the bible (laughs) i just refute like i refuse to to accept the idea that this is about the bible no, no, I I, feel, no. I agree, but like textually, I was just like, fuck you. Textually, that well, fuck and then, you. And then the most, for me, the most agonizing moment of the movie arrives when the burned corpse of a woman who has been gaslit, taken for granted, abused, and walked over this entire movie by the love of her life says to him, through being burned alive, what hurts me the most is I was never enough. And that's the moment when I want to run in front of a fucking truck and end it all. Like, that's where I just can't, I can't do it. Because it's like, did you really put those words in her mouth? Is that so desperately what you want to hear, dude? That you needed to have a burned corpse of a woman say it to your hot Javier Bardem avatar at the end of your movie. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what he needed because he needs every, he absolutely, whenever he ends it with a woman and he's like, it's, you know, things just didn't work out. And there's a part of him deep down that worries that she thinks it was because she wasn't enough. And it's just really Darren Aronofsky being compassionate towards the women he's left behind because the problem was never them. It was something, a missing part within him, but they all think that they could have done more. Well, which connects to the follow-up line, which is Javier. It's not your fault. Nothing is ever enough. I couldn't create if it was, and I have to. That's what I do. That's what I am. Yeah, I feel like that's like, to me, that makes me on fire. That that exchange was like, you know the story of the, um, the, the frog and the scorpion? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I feel like that's that, the, 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 scorpion when the frog is like why did you sting me you said you weren't going to sting me yeah. and the 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 scorpion's like well it's in my nature right 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 like, right, that, right that it's what i do and i feel I'm like an that's asshole. yeah yeah i'm an asshole i'm an asshole the only thing that matters to me is is making this stuff and i think this is the only way that i can do it so it's the way i'm going to do it over and, and, and everything over that again. everything that has happened will not change that about me and it won't it even absolutely want me- to try No, I won't even want to try. I will just want to do what I am about to do in which you're going to offer to me. You're going to say, I have nothing left to give, as she says. And he's going to say, your love. And then she will respond, go ahead, take it. At which point he physically reaches into her chest and pulls out her heart. Yeah, and he actually takes it, and she actually offers because it is the gem of creation from which everything must spring. Look, I mean, I don't think that this is a a, I will a parable beat to death with a yeah. bat. I don't think that this is a parable of like this is how things should be. Good <laughs> job. We did it! Yay! But I do think that it's like 
there are, there are some like resonant things in that. I mean, there you know, it's are. like, and I just wish oh, yeah. I believed you, that he knew what the right things were. You got to let go of that. You're, <laughs> I, I think you got to let go of that. And that once something's out in the world, their intent is an interesting aspect of it, but its relationship with you is is all that matters. Sure, sure. So basically what we're talking about right now is that this is monkeys at a typewriter. One finally wrote Shakespeare, but the monkey <laughs> doesn't know what it did. And the monkey's going to keep flinging its own shit around the room. What but a we story. can interpret it. That's yeah. an amazing story. <laughs> accidentally wrote Shakespeare. Wow. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yes. I um, no, I and, no, and it was all about bananas. <laughs> <laughs> it's all from a monkey perspective. The monkey said it's all yes, about bananas. <laughs> um, it's the monkey is telling on himself and how much he loves bananas. <laughs> I no, I because I went on his opening weekend, opening night. It, the, the house was full. It was a full crowd, and it was hard to tell where my crowd was at in the journey because it was just it was a great like theater screening, but. When that happened, when he reached into her heart, into her chest and pulled out her heart, I audibly went, okay, Darren. (laughs) (laughs) It just like fell out of my mouth and everyone around me did like a slow turn in my direction. And I just went, what? (laughs) What? Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong to say, okay, Darren. I mean, I was, as I said, I was just cackling through most of this movie it it was like well yeah i wish i had seen it with you well do you remember what was that what was that sci-fi one that we saw um with the where they're like on the ship and they're having all the flashbacks of how the baby came to be with um uh uh what's his name from twilight oh Oh, 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 high life life. half life high life high life high life you're right jason yeah yeah, it was, I mean, it was like that, like when, especially because that the the listing for that movie was like a sci-fi adventure, <laughs> yeah. and there was like a family next to us. When there's the spoiler on that movie, the scene where the science, the French scientist lady is like in her fuck room, just like jizzing all over the Man. place. Juliette Binoche orgasming, which orgasming in just a black like, room, just like spurting out the sides <laughs> of the room. <laughs> And the family next to us was like, oh, no. Oh, what did we? <laughs> similarly, I was just cackling through, like, oh, my, I love the idea of what you people thought this was going to be versus what it is. Man. Yeah, you, like, who you, none of you have so obviously cool. followed Pattinson's career since Twilight ended, well, and you just really didn't know what you were getting into. Yeah, here's like, the thing. oh, I, my gosh, you guys I, thought you were coming to a J-Law movie. Just. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy, this is so fun for me. <laughs> I went into High Life like ha- having a pretty nice appreciation for Robert Pattinson, and even still, I was not fucking prepared really for do. the Claire Denis of it all. <laughs> like, I had no, I, I don't know what I expected walking in, but it was not the movie I saw, which was still my amazing. Tall, my tall, my tall freak angel, Mia Goth. Cheers mm-hmm. to her forever. Yeah, but so that that brings us then to that brings us to the conclusion of Mother, at which point her heart disintegrates in his hands, it turns into the gem of creativity, and the world is born anew, and there's a new wife hatched in his bed. Yeah, which also, I think, is another proof of, like, this is not about the Bible. Like, where in the Bible does he create the earth cyclically over and over again? (laughs) That's not part of it. You know that's not what you're doing, dude. Like, (laughs) 
Well, I mean, there is there is the whole thing of like, you know, life will go on far after humanity and was going on far before humanity and all that stuff. That's and if, not if... what's in the Bible, though. <laughs> you, know what? you know what I would go That's on? fair. He's into like, he does the Kabbalah shit because of the movie Pi, right? So he's done like all the numerology. And I'm sure that somewhere in some Kabbalah shit, because like my people can sometimes get a little bit dense. And I'm sure... <laughs> If when they were bored, I'm sure somewhere in that numerology is like, and then the world will be reborn again and it will all be, I'm sure there's some cyclical shit if you get deep enough. But if we do, if we assume that that's what's happening, then we have to assume that although he does not read the Bible, he mm. is like that versed in Kabbalah, which. Yeah. But I mean, he, I mean, but he is a Talmudic scholar. He is. <laughs> yes. He, I'm sure one of his scarves told him something. <laughs> I, I will say, as as someone who was raised Mormon, there is a lot of this stuff that doesn't necessarily fit into cr- traditional Christianity that does sort of fit into Mormonism. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, there, wow. there, there definitely are, like, that sort of cyclical stuff and, and kind of, like, uh, worlds being reinvented or, or one god being the god of multiple worlds or, you know, like, people becoming gods. There's a whole oh, that's lot right. of... Everybody having their, like, planet or something. Yeah, yeah I do every... like the sci-fi aspects of Mormonism. <laughs> oh, it's really fun. Uh, Maybe uh, the baby is Jesus traveling to America. There you go. It's, yeah, it's Jesus doing a sequel. Well, he does bury plates, doesn't he? Uh, <laughs> yeah. It wasn't Jesus that buried He's the plates, done... but there are plates that are buried in um, rural Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, that, that that I mentioned earlier that that ending thing like uh, making me think of um, the Giving Tree. Yeah, and yeah. that that whole like take this from me, take this from me, take this from me. That all and that story like growing up always made me feel like it. That, that really got my gut and my spine in a very upsetting way. Like I like yeah. th- th- this is a terrorizing book, <laughs> and I like that. Recently, there I've seen a lot more takes from it that are pe- people being like, "Yeah, my parents read that to me, and then closed the book and said, never let someone do that to you. <laughs> <laughs> do not and be like, the giving tree. Yeah, don't. Do, they will take until you're dead. And they I'm will. like, that's what this. That that's that's what that ending does for me. Also, yeah, like, I'm, yeah. I'm going to steal my own joke tweet for a second. But after I finished watching this, I absolutely tweeted that Mother is the gritty reboot of The Giving Tree. Oh yeah, see, there yeah, go. yeah, it is. It was. I that was one. And then also, I was like, this is an am I the asshole post? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. My parentheses twenty seven year old female husband. 50-year-old male. He's inviting strangers into our house and is maybe having sex with them. Am I the asshole? Am I the asshole posts? We love them. We love them. And then this entire time, I was like, girl, no. Kick them out of the house. Get a divorce. Post us on Am I the asshole? This is why age gap gap relationships, whenever you're on Am I I the asshole post and you see the age gap, you're like, oh yeah, no, it's not you, it's him. Yeah. Yeah. Every time. Yeah, it's a, I mean... I'm sure I've ranted at Jordan about this, but like the, all of those questionable, all all the um, uh, 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 Me Too stories that kind of like flared up and then faded away more and got all the debates about like, well, but wait, huh? All of them have huge age gaps involved. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, you're speaking different language. It's like being from different cultures. You, you, can't like the things that one person is saying or is not being heard the other way and the only person who should who who you can put the onus on to understand that 
is the older person. Is the older person, yeah. Lived all of that and already been young and now been older and can be like, oh shit, remember how I didn't know that stuff and now I do? It's just 90 Day Fiance. (laughs) Well, 90 Day Fiance, there's a lot of dilute, well, it's a lot of older women with a different kind of, a different kind of uh, uh, age gap That's delusion. Cool. I mean, yeah, yeah, it does. It does go both ways. Ones. Like it's. Yeah. Oh boy, I mean, the older dude someone, ones. As someone who has dated a lot of younger guys, <laughs> I think there is a big difference. <laughs> <laughs> yes. When the when the, the gender stuff is reversed, I think it's oh, no, a different agree. power imbalance. I mean, ninety day fiance um, is both. Like it's it's still yeah. got like old creepy dudes that are sort of yeah. taking advantage of like younger women That's from true. from poor countries. Are we talking about this season? I'm just talking in general as a, as a <laughs> premise. I'm going to say I'm going to pivot us away from 90 day fiance. And I'm going to, I'm going to say we've probably come to the end of the reality index, which takes us into, even though we've been unpacking this a lot, our, our final thoughts on what is this movie really about? Oh man. I said it like 90 times. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, <laughs> I threw it all over the place. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. It's, oh. it's about, it's about, creativity and all that shit <laughs> and, and being an asshole and thinking that it's okay because you're being creative. Yeah. I, I, mm-hmm. I, that's pretty much, that is, that is pretty much exactly my position on it too, is it is a movie. Like you said, it takes a lot of people to make a movie, but conceived of by a writer director who I believe has cast Javier Bardem to play himself, to romance the girl. He would go on to romance through their like creative collaboration that turned into a brief relationship. And it is about like the tortured life of the creator who has, but no choice to continue on and create despite the abusive nature of the relationships he develops with the most meaningful people in his life. But it's okay, Mm -hmm. but it's okay. As long as it's, as long as it's for art, because it's not just what he does. It's not just what he does as Javier tells us it's what he is. I I am I. The creativity, the stories, the movies, they're not just what I do, they're what I am. They flow through me like water. Yes. So And I can't stop that. I gotta swim. It's worth every female sacrifice I must make along the way. Yeah. (laughs) Amanda. Um so similar similar vein to this, but uh focus like refocusing it a little bit more on on J Law for a sec. Um I it kind of tipped me off when you said the whole thing about her her nudes being leaked. I might choose to say that this entire thing is not so much about the director as a, but that this is about the life cycle of a like Hollywood it girl. Okay. Yeah, for sure. And it starts as mm-hmm. it starts as the ingenue, and that and that he is not so much the director and the creator as he is like the product and the studio system. Mm-hmm. And the adoring people are the adoring public who worship the studio system and the final product. And that's why, like, by the end of it, she basically has to banish herself. And in fact, we follow basically the arc of Jennifer Lawrence's career as a result. That we start off with her as this wide-eyed ingenue, and she's kind of, like, not sure what she's getting herself into. And she gets into something sort of toxic with this family, and it's her signing on for a bunch of franchises that she can't get out of. And finally, she breaks out of all the franchises, and that's when they send everybody home. But then <laughs> that's when they send everybody home. <laughs> that's when like that's her Rough. in the last X-Men movie. And then she's like, no more franchises. I'm going to do art house films. And then he's like, yeah, you're right. I'm the studio system. You are going to do art house films. You're going to get the Oscar. Gonna have, yeah, you're going well, to be fair you're by that cre- point. She's going to be able to create. Well, right. But she, that she's going to really create now. 
Yeah. And so she has her own growth and her own baby, which is her deciding that she's going to make these artsy films. But what happens is that people are now just trying to con- super consume it. And as they're super consuming all of her things, she eventually realizes she has to, they finally destroy her and she has to retreat from the public life and marry a guy who owns an art gallery. I totally agree. <laughs> I think that that, like that, I think all that stuff is definitely in there. And that's, and I think that Michelle Pfeiffer is in that, that whole, like, is she menacing or is she helping via yeah. that she's got through the whole thing is saying like this, it, like you got to do what I did if you want to survive. Mm-hmm. And she's right. Yeah, she's right. And that's, and that's the thing is that, and Michelle Pfeiffer continues to have a career and she has a career by playing menacing, sexy women. And we get to see her in the role of being a menacing, sexy woman. This is what <laughs> women have to do in Hollywood in order to survive. That's what I'm going with that. This is about the rise and fall of being a Hollywood it girl and like the cancellation culture it could also have been about Anne Hathaway 10 years ago. Like, mm-hmm. yep. Except Anne Hathaway hasn't married a guy who owns an art gallery. Yet. I will stand by yes. as well that it is, uh, that it's, that it's also about stand, stay in culture. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I think all three of these things See? really just combine in on themselves a hundred percent. And if we and give you the guy who made it any fucking credit for the majority <laughs> of what we're talking about here, I might have any respect for this movie whatsoever. <laughs> See, I, I, I think I think it's fucking fascinating that. It, but I agree that everyone in it. it was doing a very good job. Oh yeah, they all did a great. This is not a badly made movie in any way, shape, or form. It's just the highest budget, best produced student film I've ever seen. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, yeah, this, it feels like what, during during the domestic fight between the with the family, I was just like, wow, I have seen this in every in my freshman class when I was when I was at Tisch. We would have this freshman symposium where every week like five students would have to bring in five minute pages and then you would have to have those pages read up on stage by other students. And it was all like freshmen working through the domestic traumas they had just emerged from. And there, so there was always like a coming out scene and there was something about like an eating disorder. <laughs> oh, and inevitably there was like a family having a fight where no one will say the thing that they're fighting about. And there'll be a lot of abstract, like, you know what you did. And then like talking about when, like- The way a child might see a divorce happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like just heavily using the metaphor without actually using a metaphor, but then also like, and so the entire thing, I was like, wow, this is just one long, just sitting through freshman symposium was basically the first act and a half of this movie <laughs> with, <laughs> with Ed Wood or Ed yeah, Harris. And, Ed uh, I mean, that's a, that's an aspect of it that I also enjoy that I feel like it's like, okay, audience, figure out this, Fig- uh, figure out how to enjoy and watch this basically like art film. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying art film like as high praise, like ooh, it's yeah. a great art film. Right? No, it, it, it feels like the sort to make of an art thing. Film. Yeah, it feels like the sort of thing that, like, you know, when you go to a, a museum and there's that little room that's like dark, and they have like a carpeted square that you can sit on and watch <laughs> something, and you're like, yeah, okay, so it looks like that fish is dying. <laughs> Am I feeling something about that? I guess I'm feeling something. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> right. Okay. Now it's a map. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'll think about that today. <laughs> I like that, like, it's give, giving people the opportunity to do that with some of their favorite movie stars. <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence does Le Chien Andalou. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, then, you're absolutely right. So then favorite movie stars brings us to, ca- to casting. Mm-hmm. Do either of you... Do either of you have fantasy casting choices? I know I have one. Well, I mean, I think that the casting in this really is what makes it 
work. I think it would have been just just complete dog shit without <laughs> this cast. Um, but I do think that it would be interesting to see Jim Carrey play everybody. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Including and especially Michelle Pfeiffer. Yes. Also the yes. peeing baby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's what he would read for first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those were his signs. Those were his signs. And then they realized in the audition, actually, all of them, You Jim. could do all of this, Jim. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Oh, perfect. Then, Amanda, what would you do? Um, well, I'm not going to... It's not going to be a better movie, but it'll certainly be um, a movie... I want to remake this entirely with reality stars. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just really to just turn that knife, just be like, oh, dear, and we're remaking your movie, and it's going to star Nicole Richie. <laughs> Nikki Fred. Con- yeah, it'll star Nicole Richie as the mother, and uh, him will not be played as, by... Not as him? I feel like Nicole Richie could do a really strong him. <laughs> she could, but my him is going to be Kanye. Oh, yes. Okay. And so the subtext right. of it is that she's going to also be kind of playing a Kim Kardashian type. Well, maybe Kim is who dies in the beginning. Or That's, yeah. The so, yeah. Um, I absolutely, we're going to have, um, what's her name? Chris Kardashian is going to be Chris the Michelle Jenner. Pfeiffer character. Mm, yes. She wanted yes. to change her name back to Kardashian. So I, in my head, I'm always just like, her name is Chris Kardashian. But yeah. yeah, she would play the, she would play the Michelle Pfeiffer character. Um, and we would just start filtering in more and more reality stars until the entire, at the end, when everyone is like, when the throngs of people, you're going to have the Jersey Shore cast in there. You're going to have the Love is Blind cast. I mean, you could definitely anointing people. You could have Logan Paul definitely killing his brother. Yes. Yeah. See all of this. Simpson as the, uh, as the, um, Kristen Wiig (laughs) character. Yeah. Where you're like, oh, she seems like nice and friendly. Oh, she's a fucking crazy person. Yeah. I'd love to see Jessica Simpson do that heel turn and turn and be like, find me six more. You're right. Yeah. So yeah, I, I just I, I love want this project. Entire... I'm funding it. <laughs> I'm funding $20. it. That's all you got. But we're gonna get a lot of product involved. So, yeah. so, so every that... time I like instead of instead of bringing them lemonade, Chris Jenner is gonna bring her hair care gummy bears. Yes. <laughs> Nutraceuticals will will fund this movie, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Josh Charles will be there. Um, okay, and Jojo, Jojo Siwa can play the baby. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, it's me, the baby. Oh no, what are you guys doing to me? I can't stand it. Come on, this isn't fair. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, it's not a strong Jojo Siwa, but it's energetic. <laughs> I, I, I could hear the bow completely through that imitation. Thank you. Wrong, but it's energetic. I feel like that's sort of my redeeming quality at most points. Even if it wasn't strong, it was energetic. Does that does that bring it to me? Yes. Yeah. It's your turn. Um, I I respect what Jennifer Lawrence did in this movie, but I'm going to keep everything the same, but make her Claire Foy. Okay. Because Great. I what's that? Who's Claire Foy? What do I think? The, the queen. Crown? The crown. Oh, right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For her iconic I, role as wife in First Man. <laughs> I, she does a great job in that of just staring and blinking, which is all you need to do when you're not Jennifer Lawrence. I mean, she's great. <laughs> in, she's great and unsane. I would highly recommend that. Um, I need somebody. It it hurt me. It pissed me off too much to watch Jennifer Lawrence not fighting back 
in this movie, which is, of course, part of the power of Jennifer Lawrence in this role. Yeah. But I want to see the alternate universe and my I want to know the alternate universe response in which I see someone so internally British and slight as Claire Foy playing mother. I want to know how that registers with me. I have I have one other bid then for for cast change. Okay, okay. Okay. We're taking it all away from Jim Carrey in my version. Okay. We're casting everybody the same except we're giving the mother role to Rachel Weiss, and we're not telling Darren until we, <laughs> until we start shooting and we'll just like see what happens. No, that's I like that. She delivers a line, she looks directly to the camera and just arches yep. an eyebrow. Well, yeah. I think it's. I think Can it's, we it's, take it again? No. <laughs> I think you got it. I've got, I've got an Oscar, and fuck, I've got an Oscar and Daniel Craig, so. Fuck you. Yeah. What I think it's important there. to know for story, which it, it's important to know for backstory, which is something that Amanda has alluded to in this, where uh, in the in the Vogue profile of Jennifer Lawrence when this movie was coming out, she mentioned that her wind down decompression activity on set would be to basically go into her like pillow fort and watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians because she likes trash TV and she fucking loves Kris Jenner and this is on the record and this is something we know about her and. In that same profile, Darren Aronofsky is quoted as saying, like, ugh, the Kardashians? I just, <laughs> what is that? I don't get it. And he was talking down about her love of the Kardashians as though that was some sort of, like, basic bitch strike against her. When there is a post on Vulture.com that aggregates from another, you know, like, from another source, there was an interview that Darren Aronofsky gave, I believe this was in, like, 2011, where he talks about liking keeping up with the Kardashians because he considered it cinema verite. Yeah, see, I feel like this He had the opportunity to make a hot take and call the Kardashians cinema verite. It was something that he would acknowledge. But then later on, when it was the girl he was dating who was the star of his really edgy quote, as he has called it, punk rock movie, well (laughs) then, at that point, the Kardashians were so rote, he couldn't possibly entertain the notion of them being entertaining to anybody. I yeah, hate yeah. Him so much. I mean, like, that's the person he, who made this move. He seems like <laughs> like he is trapped in that idea of what's cool, and I just feel sorry for people like that. Or I'm like, oh no, know, I, th- I thought that was a, a fully a shitty abuse. I, I that was a fully shitty abusive move on his part. Like not yeah. abusive, abusive, but like that yeah, is 100. That was a, that was a, a woman yeah, that was in a her own shitty, Vogue cover story. Yeah, it was, and but I also fully believe that like. That is part of how that is how he maintained that power dynamic is by doing shit like that. And that is what makes me so angry is that's like, just let J-Law like the things she likes, you asshole. You don't have. But, but, what I, but I, I, I agree with that. But what I'm saying is he's also taking it away from himself. And he has been on the record before yeah. as saying yeah. it's something that he likes. And I, I think that's part of what the patriarchy does to dudes too where it's yeah. like you have to be so concerned with being cool macho guy that you need to shit on her mm-hmm. and also shit in your own cereal you just <laughs> shit your cereal dude you're gonna eat now you're gonna end up with no food if you just shit in your cereal all the time <laughs> i feel bad and and i mean partly that's like i do come from a, a family that is a little bit like artistically snooty and a little like judgy and yeah i'm like why, why are you taking away these nice things from yourself? They're just pleasant. Just give yourself a fucking break. No one's checking to see what you're doing. Like, there's, um, you know, uh, 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 Robert Webb from, like, that Mitchell and Webb look and Peep Show? 
Yeah. Talking about. He wrote this book called How Not to Be a Boy, and it's sort of his journey through toxic masculinity and then realizing what he was doing and then going back and looking at it and being like, oh my God, wh- I this has all been so insane. I have been such a piece of shit to everybody, including myself, mm-hmm. all in the name of these weird masculinity rules that somebody decided. And yes. one of his very one of his little clear examples is talking about being in a car with a girlfriend and her saying that she likes this song and he knows that it's not a cool song, so he shits all over it. And then is like, I liked that song and I could I just took it away from myself and I made her feel bad and like no one wins. That why why would I do that? And it's like that's <clears throat> what Anyway, sorry. No, no. And I, this, this made me think of something actually from one of my favorite pieces of journalism, probably of ever, is this incredible profile of the Soho house that was published in GQ. And there is this amazing part of it. Like, it's basically unpacking, like, what is the glamour of the Soho house? Why do we love this? What is going on here? And the writer comes around to very sort of self-aware drinking of the Kool-Aid. And there's this incredible graph that I feel like is a it is a demonstration of like the maturation of letting go of those imposed rules that aren't real those like things that we say are laws but are just made up for like creating conventions around things that don't need to be there and i feel like what i would like to read to darren is this passage from this story where it says a big part of growing up at least for me has been dispensing with the idea that obscurity and difficulty are necessary corollaries to virtue Popular stuff is popular for a reason. Taylor Swift is great and Soul Cycle works. Soy lattes with Splenda are undeniably delicious and a private club in the middle of the city with a super comfortable couch and super friendly employees and super nice bathrooms where you're surrounded by attractive people who aren't allowed to talk on their phones all for way less than the price of an Equinox membership. Well, I'm sorry, but it rules. (laughs) Don't take joy out of your own life, yeah, sir. Yeah, because don't sorry, shit in your cereal. it just rules. Uh, don't shit in your cereal is a great fucking phrase. <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> that's really just that's delightful, and that's Jordan. That that quote is basically your ethos. Me? Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I that, that applies heavily to me. It, 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 like I know, it, like hearing that quote, I'm like, yeah, that is that is Jordan's like life philosophy condensed in, in a really great way. Yeah, that, that paragraph is is me condensed. I feel like that yeah. very much goes hand in hand. The yeah. So this brings of us reputation and coolness. <laughs> so yeah. Let's ha- so I guess this brings us reputation. to how many towering and how many towering infernos we're getting. Yeah, this. this is a big question. How many towering infernos out of five? Yeah. With five being the best, the best because you know you, you want mother. Yeah. Um, just like the best movie is like five. I mean, I think I would give it three three. I want okay. to almost like three and a half. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. But like a, it's worth seeing. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Three. Okay. Yeah. Amanda? Um, I'm going to go two and a half on this. Uh-huh. If, if there were rowdy screenings of this, I might go to it. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's I might fair go point. see, the, I would go see this again as a rowdy screening. Um, but two, two and a half, like as a disaster movie, like, by the rankings no yeah two and a half for me for me it's a two yeah and the only reason it breaks out of the ones is because it does look great it's a it's a wonderfully looking movie everybody in it is doing their best 
but I do not have faith that for all the possible meanings this movie could have, the ones that are actually the most resonant and the most applicable are an accident of its creation and not an intent of it. So this movie gets a two from me. Hey man, happy accidents. You know, <laughs> much like that's my guys, part. Much you like spill some paint. Holy shit, it looks so good. Much like <laughs> mankind itself. Whoa, whoa, it is about creation. All right. So um, next week we've got another guest, and yeah. that will be um, Aaron Biba, the science journalist and a friend of both of ours, which is exciting. Um, and we'll be covering the movie Twister, Twister. which you, Twister yeah. from a, a personal favorite, and that will be um, available on uh, Amazon for rent, Amazon Prime, pretty much any or rentals, pretty much anywhere you want. YouTube, um, iTunes. Really, you should own it. Let's be honest. If you want to borrow it from me, just let me know, and I can leave it on my doorstep. <laughs> I own it as a DVD. It is also showing quite frequently on AMC. If you don't mind uh, the wow. commercials, yeah. So, um, well, let's start off with you, Eliza. Where can we find you, and do you have anything you want to plug? Um, you can find me on Twitter at, at Eliza Skinner and on Instagram at, at eSkins, which is a different. Yeah, it's I, annoying. I, I love that it's eSkins, and I was really delighted to hear be like she's going to say eSkins, and that just yeah. is yeah. great. eSkins with a Z. <laughs> uh, you can find lots of pictures of uh, my dog. Both places. <laughs> I do need to know what kind of dog. Uh, just sort of important question. Oh, you oh. missed that. You missed seeing the dog before. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. for the listeners at home, Eliza just uh, sort of panned to the side, and behind her was revealed a dog laying upside down, looking fully asleep. Oh, I, I screenshotted it oh. so we can re- show this picture later. What? Um, it, what breed is that? He is a. They they told me when I adopted him that he's a Pomeranian Spaniel mix. Pomeranian Spaniel mix. Chihuahua in there with a little <laughs> Chihuahua, a little sprinkling of Chihuahua. Oh, yeah. But he's a real. He's a good dude. His name is Booberry. Booberry. Um, also, I have a podcast called Cool Playlist. Cool Playlist is so good. So, um, yeah, I haven't updated it in a little bit, but there's still like a backlog of a bunch of really great episodes. Jordan did an episode. Every episode we make a playlist for a specific life event moment or occasion. And, and they're, Jordan, and they're sometimes very hyper specific, which makes them all the more entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, instead of like workout mix, it'll be like going to the gym after you broke up with somebody. Like <laughs> my favorite, my favorite theme was when you had Paul F. Tompkins on, I believe. And it was this steamship is taking me to an exciting new life. Yeah. <laughs> is the theme of the playlist yes that's also if i were to think of a playlist for him to make up like that's kind exactly. of exactly the the that's sort of the mood Paul F. Tompkins yeah. playlist yeah I, I try to pitch um pitch my guests ideas that i, I feel like who are in their wheelhouse and specific but also n- not like that thing you don't know what songs are going to be on no steamship is taking me to an exciting new future (laughs) you know like when you hear um, them it all makes sense and that was how we met because of your podcast exactly yeah well i mean we met on twitter because you wrote about one of my rap battles yes and um i liked i mean the way that you wrote about it but also what helen mirren said about it which was nice to actually like mention that the writers (laughs) the me had written it (laughs) And, uh, yeah, and then I asked you to be on it because you were a horror fan also. So we did a playlist for stalking teens at a summer camp. Yeah. Hell yeah. 
I think it turned out it's so a great, great playlist. Um, we took so, yeah. such different angles, and that's the joy of it. Together, they all yeah. work together. That's the joy of it. Yeah, you collaborating. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, and and those playlists are then put up on on Spotify, so people can listen to those um, after they listen to the episodes. So that's that. All right. Hell okay. yeah. And Jordan? And then, yes, I, as always, I'm at Jordan, uh, at Jor Crew, J-O-R-C-R-U. Okay. <clears throat> Anything you want to promote? Anything you want to? Um, I, you know, I will say that I am entering the ranks of the furloughed uh, because the economy has come knocking. But in perhaps uh, one of my last uh, gasps as a Vulture uh, staff writer, because the future is very unknown, I wrote a wonderful guide that you should all check out to revisiting and reappraising millennium era horror, turn of the millennium era horror movies like House of Wax and The Covenant and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre reboot specifically with Jennifer Beale, uh, with Jessica Beale, um, and, uh, you know, Valentine starring Denise Richards and David Boreanaz, treasures such as this. And I encourage all of you to check it out. It's one of my great works. Congratulations. That's Thank a good you. one. Thank you. Um, and I'm Amanda R. Tubbs. That's Tubbs with two Bs um, on Twitter. Don't bother finding my Instagram. It's mostly just photos. I've already posted of my dog on Twitter. Um, <laughs> and uh, I have nothing to promote because I just sit on my sofa all day long. <laughs> <laughs> And Jason, where can How we find you? you? Uh, I am on Instagram and Twitter at Jason Halftones. Uh, the only thing to promote really right now is obviously this podcast network, ThatMightBeCool.com, where you can find uh, Disaster Girls as well as other lovely podcasts such as Best Pictures, where uh, some friends take the Oscars and try to fix them one year at a time. Um, <laughs> Uh, and then, uh, I've been, uh, doing a comic, a little, uh, sort of weekly comic strip that's like an ongoing sci-fi adventure with dinosaurs and space vloggers and, uh, many more, uh, surprises to come. Uh, so yeah, you can it find that really at Jason Halftones. Oh, thank you so much. I, uh, I've been, yeah. uh, working on the, uh, the third page as we've been speaking. So, uh, it's, uh, it's coming along, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's my shit. All right. And you can, of course, find uh, the Twitter account. You can find the pod's Twitter account. We're disaster underscore pod. Um, you can find us on uh, Gmail, where our email address is disastergirlspod at gmail.com. And we're disastergirls on uh, Letterboxd. And yeah, we'll be back next week with Aaron Biba for Twister. Thank you so much for joining us for this today, Eliza. Yeah, thank you I so much, Eliza. This was so fun. Thank you. I'm so sorry I made you watch. No, <laughs> I, I, I hope, as promised, this did not turn into a Vox Lux. This was not a Vox Lux situation. <laughs> right, yeah, good. That's a point of a conflict that was entirely my fault between me and Eliza <laughs> at a Thai restaurant one time, and I promised her that it would not devolve into something <laughs> so bitchy as that one. <laughs> Bye. Thank you, Eliza. Thank you for having me. Bye. Bye. That might be cool.com. You never know. <laughs>